All right, good morning. As Reverend Eric said, this is Bread Sunday, which means I get to do this. Bread! So, for anyone who may not know, North Congregational Church is part of an organization called Bread. B-R-E-A-D, Bread, which stands for Building Responsibility, Equality, and Dignity. Bread is a nonpartisan, multi-faith, social justice organization in Columbus, which brings together a large variety of faith communities to advocate for those in need in Columbus. As I was studying for my sermon today, it struck me as a little bit strange that when we speak about bread, we always speak about it in the third person. Even at bread rallies, nobody says, we rise, it's always bread. But without its member organizations, bread would not exist. We are bread. Advent United Church of Christ is bread. Christ Lutheran Church is bread. Congregation Bet Tikva is bread. Immaculate Conception Catholic Church is bread. We are all bread together. In the organization that is bread, we are one. We are united in the common purpose of building responsibility, equality, and dignity in Columbus. So to recognize this unity and that we are part of it, just for this Sunday, I want to break with tradition. And instead of bread, when I say, we rise, there we go. (laughs) So in 2002, Bread secured $1.2 million to expand primary care in Columbus Neighborhood Health Centers. We rise. Very good. In the scripture reading I chose today, God says to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So the first thing I want to point out is it's easy to get caught up on the cursing aspect of this passage. (laughs) Um, But notice how in the end the promise is, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And if the people who are cursing are getting cursed, but the promise is that everyone will be blessed, that means that nobody's doing any cursing. Everybody is blessing and being a blessing and being blessed. Um, So God's promise is really one of hope. It's one that blessing will be shared by everyone. So I think that's really uh, really meaningful for bread and really meaningful for Columbus. But I also chose this passage of scripture because three major religions in Columbus trace their ancestry or traditions or really important stories back specifically to Abraham. Judaism, Christianity, and Islam are all known as Abrahamic faiths. Uh, Muslims believe that Abraham built the Kaaba, which uh, is the most important mosque in Islam, and everyone in Islam is required to visit it. Uh, Jews believe Abraham gave birth to the nation of Israel through Isaac and Jacob, were given the Torah or instructions for life, and that Israel survives to this day through the Jewish people. Christians believe Abraham became the great, 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 great grandfather of Jesus who died for our sins. So one thing that we all have in common is that Abraham is our spiritual father. So there's an interesting assumption that people make, right? That when contemplating the story of Abraham, that all the families of the earth will be blessed through Abraham, that blessing was passed down to Isaac. And then 
So now all the families of the earth will be blessed through Abraham, but now particularly through Isaac. And so as I was thinking about this, I actually think the reason we do that, because the scripture doesn't say that, that nowhere in the scripture does it say that this particular blessing gets passed down particularly to Isaac and then on. Um, so I, I think this assumption comes from a desire to neatly define groups of people. We decide who's in and who's out. If God's promise that all families of the earth will be blessed through Abraham passes exclusively to Isaac, then exclusively to Israel, then exclusively uh, to Jesus and Jesus' followers, then we can say Jews are no longer part of God's plan to bless all nations. Muslims are no longer part of God's plan to bless all nations. Only us Christians are. And doesn't that feel great? Um, (laughs) But to be sure, there was a special covenant and inheritance that was passed on to, to Isaac from Abraham. But this promise that Abraham would be a blessing for all nations was for Abraham. And therefore, it belongs to all of Abraham's children. So Jews, Christians, and Muslims are all involved in this promise that Abraham would be a blessing to all nations. And isn't that so much more wonderful that we can invite everyone into this same blessing of just being a blessing for everyone. So bread consists of many Christian faith communities, including our own, a few Jewish communities, and is open to welcoming Muslim faith communities and other communities. In bread, we are able to work towards fulfilling God's blessing that has been given to all of us in Abraham to be a blessing to all nations. We are able to accomplish things like the $1 million in 2016 that went to expanding care for people suffering from mental illness. We rise. And we rise together. And the second passage of scripture I chose for this week is a repeat from last week. So in this passage, Abraham is greeted by three strangers who turn out to be angels. The passage does not say that Abraham identifies these strangers as angels, which I think is really important. uh, Because it kind of gets into our psychology that like, Somebody who's really important should be greeted with extravagant welcome. But Abraham doesn't know that these are angels in the story. He just sees strangers, and he welcomes them so extravagantly. Um, The passage doesn't say that he identifies them that way. Um, It's implied that these angels appear human. It's pretty safe to assume that when Abraham meets these strangers, he believes they're human wanderers. In fact, some people argue that Hebrews 13.2 says... Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers because some have entertained angels um, at unawares and that that's referring to this passage. Despite perhaps believing these are ordinary humans, Abraham runs to meet them. He bows to them. He calls them my Lord uh, as in a way of showing humility. But again, he doesn't use the term for God or clearly denoting angels. Um, and then he says, please, Let a little bit of water be brought to your feet and rest yourselves under this tree and I will bring you a little bit of bread. And I just want to argue one more time that Abraham doesn't know these are spiritual beings because what spiritual beings have need of physical comforts? Um, and, And so there's actually some explanations that when Abraham brought food to the angels that they ate it out of like, um, just kind of a show of politeness, but that they weren't really eating the food, and there's all of these um, interesting explanations as to what happened there. 
Um, <laughs> but, but we don't need to get into that. The, the thing is, is that Abraham really genuinely seems to believe that these are strangers who are just traveling and who are in need. And he just really believes that they should be blessed, that they should receive this fantastic, this fantastic feast. So he promises them a little bit of water. He promises them a little piece of bread. He then proceeds to prepare a feast, including a choice calf. And I like to imagine Abraham offering these guests a little piece of bread and then kind of like snickering to Sarah in his tent like, I told them they were only going to get a little piece of bread, but let's give them literally all the bread they can eat. And we're going to kill a choice calf and we're going to prepare that for them and they won't suspect a thing. We're going to do it all so fast, they won't suspect a thing. And talk about extravagant welcome. Abraham offers them a morsel, and he gives them a feast. The other thing is, I know it's easy to look at Abraham and say, of course Abraham would offer them a feast. He's super wealthy, he's super rich, Um, but it's important to note that in Abraham's day, wealth was not the same as in our day. Abraham did not have a retirement account. He didn't have a car. He didn't have a house. He didn't have a bank or a barn to store his possessions in. Abraham relied on God for his needs because a simple famine, a war or disease or another disaster could destroy everything in a short time. And and this happened to his children, right? This happened to Isaac, who had to go to Egypt, um, or to Jacob, who had to go to Egypt because of famine. Um, so so it, it's not unreasonable to think that Abraham, even though he was wealthy, really had to rely on God for everything that he had. But when Abraham saw these travelers in need, despite the vulnerability of his own situation, he offered this extravagant welcome. Abraham understood that all things belong to God, and he had faith that God would provide, that there would be plenty for everyone, and that no one should be excluded. And so if we can be a people like Abraham and understand that God owns everything, that there's enough for all of us, then we can accomplish amazing things. We can offer a feast when others expect a morsel. And so I want to celebrate for a moment the ways that we at North Church have offered a feast when people maybe expected a morsel. And personally, I want to call out the extravagant welcome that I received when I came here uh, about a year ago and was greeted so warmly by many of you. That's not my experience everywhere I've been. Um, So that meant so much to me. But how else have we at North Church followed in Abraham's footsteps? And I want to just celebrate that for a couple minutes. Uh, So does someone want to call out other examples? Yeah, offering one some shelter. How else? Open and affirming. We're welcoming to everyone. So I was going to say something about the live camp and shelter. Mm-hmm. And then why shelter people needed a place to stay while I guess why shelter was staying in 
Let's take a couple more examples, just maybe two or three more examples. Yeah. Sanctuary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Offering sanctuary. All right, yeah, so, and then I also have a few more examples just from our participation in bread. Because um, like I said, we're a, part of, we're a part of bread. We are bread in a very real way. And so we can look at the accomplishments that bread has done, and we can say, yeah, we're a part of that. That is a way that we offer extravagant welcome. Um, so since this is Bread Sunday, uh, let's talk about some of those things. Um, $1 million directed towards a transit center in East Main Street connecting Center City residents to Outer Belt. That can be attributed to bread. We... $2.1 million went towards small business incubators and small business loans. We... Additionally, bread helped to create 815 full-time jobs in 164 construction jobs in 2011. We, in the Mishnah, which is a text full of rabbinic Jewish teachings, there's a saying that the reward of a good deed is another good deed. In practicing the virtues of God, like hope, faith, love, peace, compassion, and mercy, fills us even more with those things and opens our lives to more opportunities so that we can live into them. By ascribing to all of the children of Abraham the blessing that all nations of the world will be blessed, we participate in a pattern of faith, hope, and love that extends to everyone. By being a church of extravagant welcome that gives above and beyond what is expected, we express our faith in God's economy where there is enough for everyone. Providing sanctuary to Angelica opened the door for us to provide a place for Maria and Juan and their children to stay. And doing these acts of faith, hope, and love have connected us even stronger with the sanctuary movement in Columbus. To say that we do good precisely so that we may do more good may sound strange to people, but to experience virtue, we must ourselves participate in virtue. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me. Food gives life, it gives energy, it gives vitality. So let's continue to partake in the same food that Jesus partook of as we continue to cultivate and persist in acts of faith, hope, and love. Let's have our call to prayer. Thank you.